Well, it's, uh, it, it has been a difficult week. Uh, I'm in uh, daily contact with uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ in, in Ukraine, and um, I, I'm, I'm also passing those uh, updates on. I'm giving daily updates on Facebook, so if you want to follow me, you can kind of see how things are transpiring day by day. And the city I lived in, uh, the city of Kherson is was the first city to be occupied by the first major city to be occupied uh, by Russian soldiers, and they're under martial law, imposed. And um, yet, yesterday, Saturday, thousands. I, I got to see videos uh, privately that were sent to me, as well as even on the news uh, stations. Uh, thousands gathered in the central square, which, by the way, is called Freedom Square. <laughs> no irony there. Thousands gathered with their Ukrainian flags saying that they, you know, we just want freedom, we want peace. And uh, the courage and the sacrifice uh, of the believers is unbelievable. You know, I shared last week, you know, rescuing abandoned babies and orphans, and, 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 and they are collecting food and distributing that food. All the churches have opened their, their uh, churches to people as a safe place where they can not only get food, but can sleep there, and, and more importantly, not be alone, because it's so scary and so dangerous right now to so many people. They're, they're, uh, they're getting food and medicines to those in need as it, to the best of their ability. They're sharing the gospel with those who are afraid and losing hope. So let's keep praying for a miracle. And Pantano, thank you for giving. Pantano, you've always been generous. Uh, just a few, just two months ago, at Christmas, uh, you all gave over 100000 to respond to the, to the homeless here in our community. You are so generous. Yes. And, and last week I stood before you as just things were beginning to happen in Ukraine, and I said, if you want to give, we'll, we'll find a way. I, I told you, I didn't even know how we would get the, any of the funds there because everything was in such chaos at that time. But, but by Monday, we had already figured out a path to get the funds there. And, uh, and folks, as of yesterday, you have given over $40,000. Thank you. Thank you. On Wednesday, we already sent our first, the first uh, uh, check uh, to, to the church that's then sending it on to Ukraine, and, and uh, we sent 31000 on Wednesday, and what we'll, we'll, more is coming in, we'll keep sending that over, and, and it's already being used. Uh, just this week, uh, some of our friends that, that are in western Ukraine took two van loads of supplies, food, and medicine into Kiev, and uh, I have to say Kiev, it's now Kiev, it used to be Kiev, Kiev. And, uh, and then we're bringing ch women and children out in those vans, and they're going to run those as long as they can, as, it was, as long as it's safe. And, 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 and they're sending funds to the churches that are in southern Ukraine where they're, where they're serving people. They're, we've got a system that's working, and so thank you so much. And, and if you still want to give, you can uh, text GIVE to 46356 and just choose the Ukraine fund, and we'll get those funds there. Folks, your prayers and your giving matter. 
Of course, we know that we are we're asking the God of the universe to make a difference, and that matters. And of course, the gifts make a tangible difference. But there's something else I just want you to know. Every day I'm getting responses from Ukrainians who say, thank you for not forgetting us. Your prayers and your gifts are making a profound statement of that they are not alone. They have not been forgotten. God is with them. The church is with them. And right now, the whole world is with them. Thank you. Thank you. So let's pray again for those who are hunkered down. They're Many are alone and isolated. They're exhausted. I mean, who could sleep in the midst of this? They're uncertain. They don't know what's going to happen the next hour. So let's again just pray for our, our friends in Ukraine. God, I'm just continuing to ask for a miracle. <clears throat> I'm asking for a miracle that this conflict would stop for the sake of not only Ukrainians, but for the sake of those, those, those Russian soldiers and their families. God, we just... We're asking you to find a way to have this, this violence stop. And God, I continue to pray that you would strengthen the hearts and the faith of those who believe in you and follow you. Allow them to be that light in the midst of this darkness. Allow them to find ways to serve in the name of Jesus. And may all glory and honor ultimately go to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here or that you've joined us online today. And I don't know why you've come or I don't know why that you've joined us online. But this is what I know and this is what I believe. I believe with all of my heart from a life of experience that if we will follow Jesus, if we will follow the ways of Jesus, if we will allow the Spirit of God to shape us, to become like Jesus, then we'll not only discover who God is, but we'll discover the life that he's desired and designed for us, the very best life possible on planet Earth. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look again at the way of Jesus. And, and uh, Jesus gave us a playbook. He gave us uh, a playbook which, which, that'll lead us to that good and that blessed life. And so Jesus didn't leave it to be just like, well, we got to figure this out on our own. No, no, he gave us really clear directions, plays. There's no guessing. And he gave us eight vital plays that, that we need to put into play in our life, so to speak, if we want to be formed and shaped to become like Jesus. And it's only as we're formed and shaped to become like Jesus that we're going to experience the blessed life that God wants for us. And these plays are, are oftentimes called Beatitudes. There's eight of them. And each one of them begins the same way, blessed are. And, and that's where God wants to take us, to, to that place of blessing. It's a, it's, blessing is a biblical term that is life that's lived well. It's as good as it gets on earth. And it's a life that will never end. 
And so we've been looking at these Beatitudes, and, and I want us just to do a, a quick review of the plays that we've covered so far. This is Jesus' playbook. And, and in Jesus' playbook, play number one is this, blessed are the poor in spirit. When we're at that place where we're poor in spirit, it's like, I know I'm a mess. I know I can't fix myself. I know I need something, someone bigger than myself. I need help. I need God's help. That's where it all starts. And these build on each other. And, and then as, as we're at that place, then, then we come to play number two, where we mourn, where we realize the depth of our sin and how, how powerful pride is in our life and how, how it will continue to keep messing us up. And we get to that place where we say, I'm sorry, and I'm ready for a change. And that leads us to play three, meek. Not meek in the sense of just being walked on, but in the sense of, of surrender, that, that I'm now ready to surrender my life and my will over to God so that he can do his work in me. Then that leads us to play four, hunger and thirst. We get to that place where we're so hungry and thirsty for God that, that we, we just know, I want God, I want God more than anything else. God's the only one who can satisfy and then play five, blessed are the merciful. As we experience the mercy of God, it changes our heart. And then we choose to be merciful towards others. And that's the five plays that we've looked at already. So they, they build on each other. They, keep, they develop as, as we, we, as we Learn play one, that becomes who we are. We we're able to do play two better and play, and, it keep, and, and we keep doing that all through our life. And so today we're going to come to play number six of Jesus' playbook, of Jesus' Beatitudes. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now every play has three parts to it. It starts with blessed are. We've talked about that. The very best life that we can have in God. Blessed are. And then there's the, the description. The second part is a description of who we are to become. Not so much even just what we're to do, but who we're to become. And today we're going to look at blessed are the pure in heart. And then, and then each one ends with a, a reward or a promise. And the promise today we saw in there is that we'll see God. And what I want to do is I want to focus first on what does it mean to be pure in heart, and then we're going to come back later and look at the promise or the reward that's there. Let me just ask a question. Who here has a pure heart? Raise your hand. Stand up. Why, you're all reluctant. Pure in heart, that, that, that's a pretty demanding word. I, I mean, pure at heart means what? Perfect? Without fault? You know, you know holy? And so for most of us, when, when we read this play, this beatitude, we go, there, there's no way. Pure in heart, that, that's just not possible. It's out of reach. Who can even get close to being pure in heart? Is that kind of level of goodness even possible for a human being? So we need to ask the question, what was Jesus talking about when he 
invites us to be pure in heart. Was he talking about moral perfection? The, the idea of pure is actually found throughout the Bible. Uh, but oftentimes it's not the word pure isn't used. There are other terms that are used. Uh, sometimes the word undivided or unadulterated is used in the scripture to describe the same idea. It's the idea that there's nothing else mixed in. That's what we mean by, by, by pure. That's what the Bible means by pure. And so for Jesus, this idea of purity, he's talking about a sincere, single focus commitment to Jesus and his way. It's, it's a complete devotion to God that doesn't allow any other influences and commitments to get mixed in. It's a real and authentic faith where we remove all hypocrisy, all falseness. It's being sold out, fully devoted, all in to Jesus. So the opposite, and it's sometimes always helpful to think of the opposite, an impure heart an impure heart has all these competing influences that are going on. An impure heart is a mixed heart. It's mixed with some of God's influence, but also some of the influence from the world, the, the values of the world. And yes, so, so God's influence shapes us in some ways, but also as we've allowed those worldly influences, those worldly values to come in, they also have the power to shape us and influence us. And so what, what Jesus invites us to is a pure heart. A, a pure heart is primarily it's seeking that only God would have that influence, that he would have primary influence in our life to shape us, and that no one or nothing else would have that power in our lives. A pure heart is surrendered to God and gives him full influence. A pure heart is a heart purely devoted to God. Now, James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, uh, describes what a pure heart is in a letter that he wrote to a, a, a church. And, and as we read this, remember, he's writing this to people who've made the decision to follow Jesus. And this is found in James chapter 4, starting at verse 4. James chapter 4, starting at verse 4. Listen to what he writes. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of this world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us? James called the church adulterous. Now, when we hear that, we think he wasn't primarily talking about people who had violated their wedding vows. He was talking to the whole church. And he was talking to the church because all of us are struggle with, we struggle with, we're tempted to, to have divided allegiances, to, to yes, to, to, to believe in God and, and to want to follow the way of Jesus and maybe have already made that decision, but we also allow the world to come in. And what he makes very clear is that we can't be friends with God and friends with the world at the same time. We can't have a divided heart. We can't have an impure heart. Now, j just an aside, it, it blows me away just 
as we, as we read what James wrote, that we can be friends with God. Friends with God. But what James warns us about is that sometimes we want to be friends with God, but we also want to be friends with the world. And, and, and what James is just warning us about is the same thing that Jesus is inviting us to, is that we would make a commitment to one, allow one to control our heart. It's either God or it's the world. Now, it, it's, I think it's as if James could hear the people he was writing to say, wow, that's, that's really hard. I'm not sure I can do this. The influence of the world is so powerful and strong. I, I, I don't know if I, if I can, can have that pure heart. And so James continues. Notice what he, he says starting in verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify, there's the word. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Surrender to the Lord. Let him have a greater influence in us. Resist the temptations of the devil. If we say no, the devil has no power over us. He will flee. But, but then James goes on to say, don't, don't stop there. Embrace God. Come closer to God. Let, that, let him be your focus. Draw near to him. That, it's that hunger and thirst that... that, that, that uh, uh, that Rebecca Hamlin talked about last week, that, we're, that we are hungry and thirsty for God and that we humbly confess our sins and our weaknesses. That's how we purify our heart. That's how we experience a pure heart. But the fact is that many of us here in person and online, we, we like our friendship with the world. We want friendship with God for sure. There's no question about that. But we also want to keep that friendship with God. That's that double-mindedness. That's, that's that dividedness. That's, that's that being impure because we've got these two commitments, these two things. And what happens when we do that is our heart is not only mixed, it's polluted, it's complicated. And God doesn't desire that for us. And so to purify our hearts is to have this absolute, complete, full devotion to God and to him only. A pure heart is a heart purely devoted to God. So the question is, what have you allowed, right now, what have you allowed to compete with God in that space in your heart? Is your heart too crowded for God to have the influence that he wants in your life. See, this is all about the heart. And I've made an assumption that we understand what that means. In the Bible, the heart means everything that's inside of us. Everything that's inside of us. 
Here's what the heart means. Maybe in more modern ideas, the heart is the control tower. The heart is the cockpit. The heart is the CPU of our life. It's the brains of the computer, so to speak. The heart is the origin of all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, all of our dreams, all of our affections. It's the center of our values, our logic, our purpose, our faith. Everything that really matters comes out of the heart. That's what the Bible is, is talking about. It's the center of our spiritual life. The heart is everything because the heart controls everything. That's why Jesus is talking about having this pure heart. So that's why we have to ask the question, what's in my heart? Who's got control of my heart? Who's shaping my heart? What's the condition of my heart? Is it pure or is it polluted? Because a pure heart is a heart purely devoted to God. And Jesus says, look, everything flows out of the heart. Take a look at Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Luke 6, 45, he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up where? In the heart, his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The hands do what the heart is full of. The, the, all of our words, all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, all of our actions, all of that comes out of the heart. And so if we want to have a pure heart to experience a blessed life, we've got to have a heart that's pure. Now, the wisdom of the Proverbs gives us a caution. It's found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. These words are important. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else. What does that mean? Above all else. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. That's how important the heart is. It, it shapes who you are in every way. And so the warning is guard your heart. What does that mean? Let me just ask some questions. What are you putting into your heart? What do you let fill what, what comes inside you? What or who has the most influence on your heart? What are you watching? What are you reading? Who do you let speak to your heart? How many competing influences are you giving access to your heart? The caution, the warning is guard your heart. Give it fully over to God. Let him have primary influence. That's what it means to be pure in heart. Now, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're going to look at, we, I wanted to look at what pure in heart is first, so we've done that. Now, there was a promise. There was a reward. The pure in heart will see God. Ma Matthew 5, eight, let, let's look at it again. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Why are they blessed? Because they will see God. Now, what does that mean, that we'll see God? 
How, 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 does that live, how does that lived out? I think this promise or reward is directly connected to, to the play, to the beatitude itself. See, here's how it works. A pure heart is always seeking God. And, and you know what? A heart that's always seeking God is going to find God, is going to see God. Jesus said it over and over. Seek and you will find if we're after God, he's not going to hide from us. Many of us who say God's hidden from us is because we really aren't seeking him. But if we really are after him, we will see God. We'll see God not with our eyes like we, oh, there he is, there, you know, in, in some physical form. We're going to see God at work in our lives. We're going to see God at work in our world. We're going to see God at work in others because we're looking for him. We're going to see him. We're going to see how he wants to influence and change us. We're going to experience him in our everyday routine. And honestly, if you're one of those folks and you're not alone, if you're saying, you know, I really don't experience God, it's because you're not after him. He's not running from you. He's not hiding from you. It comes back to us. We've let too many other things fill our lives and complicate our lives. James just simply reminded us, the passage we read earlier, Stop trying to be friends with the world. Don't go to that place. And see, a person who's pure in heart, they're no longer attracted to the world because you know what? When we get to the place where we're pure in heart, where our devotion is fully on Jesus, we know that the world is transient, that it's unreliable, that it's disappointing. I think of my friends in Kherson, Ukraine. Some of them had put too much time and effort into the things of this world. And I'll tell you right now, they know that the things of this world don't matter. It's the things of God that matter. And it's those things that will last into eternity. And so, so Jesus and his half-brother James remind us that, that our focus is to keep our focus on God and not the things of this world, to deepen that friendship with him. And so my question is, is your heart pure or is it divided? Are there multiple things that are competing for your heart, for your affection, and for your thoughts and your feelings. And here's what I know. If you're at a place where you want to change your life, you have to change your heart. If you want to change your life, you have to change your heart. And if you want to change your heart, you have to purify your heart. You can't let all of those other influences continue to be there. It has to be Jesus and, and, and his way that, that shapes who you are, that shapes what you believe, that shapes what you feel, that shapes what you value. When your pure commitment is first to Jesus and him only, then you'll see God. You'll see God work in you 
you'll see God work through you. And Jesus, listen to this, Jesus will show you God's heart. You'll get to see God's heart. That's incredible. A pure heart is a heart purely devoted to God. Does a pure heart seem attractive? It's not necessarily easy. Jesus never said any of these plays were easy. But if you're at a place at a place where you realize your heart, your actions, your very life isn't going the direction that you want it to go. If you've come to that honest reality that, that your heart has focused not enough on God or, or maybe you haven't even given God a place of influence in your heart, I want to encourage you to purify your heart right now. It starts with Surrender. We surrender our heart. We surrender our life over to God. That means letting him have his way with us, even when it's hard, even when it goes against the grain and the values of this world. It's trusting Jesus and trusting his way. It's choosing to follow him. It's making a decision. And you can make that decision anytime, anywhere. You can make it alone. You can make it with others, wherever you're at right now. Wherever you're at right now, you can make that decision. I'm ready. I'm ready, Jesus, to let you have control of my heart. If you have questions about that, you need help, after every service, we always have our prayer partners here. They would love to talk with you about that. We have folks that are in starting point, room number one off the courtyard that would love to help you. Those of you who are with us online, we would be glad to, our host would be glad to talk with you and help you. And then once you make that decision to let Jesus have control of your heart, it's at that point that then we make that, that decision public and we do that in something called baptism. In baptism, we declare that we are ready to let Jesus have control and we're ready to follow him. Next Sunday, we're going to have an opportunity for baptisms. And if you're at that place where you're ready to make that decision public, I want to invite you to do that. Just text the word NEW to 46356. And then let us know you're interested. We'll follow up with you with some information. Now, why did I select NEW if you're interested in baptism? Here's why. I'm inviting you to have a new heart to begin a new life, to let Jesus make all things new for you. And so if you're ready to be baptized, just text NEW to 46356. If you're with us online, and maybe you're in another location, text NEW to 46356, and we'll get back with you, and we'll help arrange your baptism wherever you are. Now I'm speaking to all of us, whether we have made a decision to follow Jesus or not. Blessed are the pure in heart. Do you want a pure heart? You have to come clean. 
You, you know that phrase, come clean? You know, we usually think of that in terms of you, you, when you admit you've done something wrong or, you know, you are, uh, confess to a sin or, or a crime or whatever it might be, you know, come clean. And, and, and of course, I mean this in a spiritual sense. We've got to come clean. We've got to own up to what's going on in our heart. The way we're going to have to be pure in heart is when we own up to the fact that we've allowed so many other things to have influence in our life that are not of God. That not only cause us to act and speak and feel in ways that are not of God, but also just complicates our life and brings sows confusion and anxiety and fear. That would, God never designed us to, have, to experience those things, but if we're pure in heart, we'll experience the blessed life that he wants. And so maybe right now you need to come clean with God so that you can have that clean heart. I want to lead us in a time of prayer, time of confession. Would you pray with me? God, first of all, we come to you just being honest that we need, we need to clean up our heart. We need to change. We need to give you more space, more room, more influence in our lives. We need to push out those other competing influences, and we need your help. We need your help to come clean, to be clean. We admit to you that we've let our hearts be crowded and it's crowded Jesus out. Father God, help us. Help us in our weakness. Help us when we're distracted by the things of this world. Help us to desire you above all things. Create in us a pure heart that allows you to reign and to rule and to be supreme above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to finish with just this. Be intentional. Choose to be pure in heart. And if you do, you'll see God. May that be so this week. God bless you all. Thank you.